Hey, and welcome to another episode of the Who Dat Jedi podcast. Um, I am Aaron, and I'm with the other Who Dat Jedi. Um, you know, if, I don't know. We sound like a gang. Should we, if we get more, we could be the Who Dat Jedi Council, and then others could be the Who Dat Jedi Knights. Maybe our listeners are the Who Dat Jedi Padawans. I don't know. I digress. But with me, as always, is Fredo and Dave. How you guys doing? Uh, are you getting okay. excited you for doing? Halloween? Are we getting excited for Halloween? Dave was, uh, Dave and his wife were showing us and it wasn't, you know, wasn't X-rated or anything, but they're showing us their Halloween costumes. Um, So um, do you guys always dress up every year for Halloween? No, no, it's been kind of haphazard. It's really difficult to coordinate that and get the kids on the same page and do the whole thing. It's just, it's like, okay, let's just make sure each kid gets the costume that they want, but we've never been able to really get the whole family on the same page, which is sort of the, sort of like the goal or the dream, but it's, it's not going to happen. So, so, um, what are the kids going as? Oh man. Um, I got, sorry, I put you on the spot here. Yeah, no, man. Like I'm totally like blanking on this right now. Um, well, I can tell you while you're thinking about it, Brittany and I did a couple's costume once and it was, uh, about probably three years ago. And, um, uh, is when, remember the Chewbacca lady, you know, got the, went, that video went viral and her mask, you know, she was just laughing the whole time. Well, I got one of those masks and I got a Chewbacca onesie and then we got uh, Han Solo's blaster and a holster. So Brit went as Han Solo and I went as Chewbacca. Um, and that was, that was our couple's costume. I guess one year I was the, uh, uh, she was a, a witch and I was the, um, killer bunny rabbit from Monty Python. And mm. the amount of people down in the quarter who were like, Oh, it's Easter bunny. It's like the, a, the, I have fangs. B, I got blood all over my chest and, you know, and I have the holy hand grenade around my neck. It's like, what messed up Easter bunny did you get, you know, when you were a kid? But anyway, so. Run away. Run away. (laughs) Yeah, I should have said I had big, nasty, pointy teeth. Yeah, so. Now, remember there was one year we were suggesting that maybe Hugh and Britt could go as... Uh, Princess Buttercup and Wesley and, uh, and Scott Colesby, our friend, would go as Inigo Montoya and not go as Fesic. We still need to do that. We still need to do that. It's not going to be this year, obviously, but we still need to. So, um, yeah, we're, we're down because I, I've got the beard and all I have to do is get a, get a mask. So, you know, it's all good. The other kind of mask. Yeah. Uh, so, Dave, did you figure out what your kids are going as yet? Yeah, because my wife told me because she can keep track of this stuff and I can't. Um, so that my youngest is a unicorn princess with a, like a light up sparkly dress thing. Uh, Nathan is going as Venom. Um, and that's uh, why you can't oldest. get the whole family on the same page for <laughs> anyway, keep going. No, yeah. He's always the villain. Like, you know, one year he was uh, Kylo Ren and another year, I think he was Darth Vader. Um, yeah, he's he's always the villain. So this year he's going as the anti-hero Venom, and uh, and Liv is uh, is uh, I think just a black cat. So you need to you need to put Janet Jackson on uh, 
on shuff on just replay over and over yeah, again. Now we're introducing her. Like we've been showing her music videos from our youth just to try to get her more of a robust musical education. And uh, she has, she has not been shy about telling us which of the songs are good and which aren't. So, and, and your heart breaks every other time. Is that what it is? About no, <laughs> no. batting about 500. All right. Well, cool. Um, so, uh, well, let's just get into, let's get into some trivia here and get our uh, brains wrapped around uh, Star Wars. We'll, we'll, I'll talk what we're going to talk about later uh, after we do trivia because they all just kind of um, go right into each other here. But So time for some trivia. And Dave, you're going to go first. Ooh. How many horns protrude from the head of the average Gamorrean guard? Not the above average or below average, but the average Gamorrean guard. How many horns? I have to look at an action figure here because I don't know the answer to this. I think I'm going to go with three. It is actually two. So the action figure uh, is accurate. Okay. I figured there was one in the back, like they were trying to trip me up or something. But I'm no. smarter than the average Gamorrean guard. Oh, sorry. Anyway, um, I love that. The average Gamorrean guard. Who writes mm-hmm. these? All right, Fredo. I have a rule that I have to go with the first one I saw. Do it. Oh, God. This can be good or bad. Let's go with it. What planet is shown baking under twin suns? Let's give everybody a minute to consider it. And then we're going to go with Tatooine. Oh, my gosh. Really? I, I mean, yeah, it's like. Yeah, whenever whenever you say that, you prefer that it's either going to be a really difficult question about some tertiary character's last name. Or it's going to be something so simple that we're all going to go like, really? You do tend to get those questions. So you were due for a, that's not even a softball. That's like, I don't know, silver platter. (laughs) T-ball. All right. All right. Well, mine is just about an equal of a softball. Who blasts Darth Vader's wingman in the Death Star Trench? That is Han Solo. Oh, I have to say, I have to share this now. Maybe you didn't see it on Twitter, but last week's episode, we talked about how the prequels has shifted our, you know, focus and our, um, has enhanced the original trilogy. And the one I came up with after we hit stop on the recording was Darth Vader shooting R2-D2 in the trench run in A New Hope. I, I mean, now... All, all droids look the same, you know, kind of thing, you know, like, except for a color scheme and you're flying through space. And it's, it was always one of those things I found. I was like, man, he's a bad shot. If he hits the droid helmet, when the, when the, or the droid dome, when the X-wing was clearly in his sights, how he's a bad shot, but maybe it was, and that's R2. He's seen everything. Snitches get stitches. I don't know. Well, when you consider, I mean, R2 has seen him from when he was a little boy on Tatooine through the Clone Wars, and also who he was married to. So if anybody's going to spill, the, has all the beans to spill or all the tea to spill, it's R2. Now, you know, I, I, had, um, 
I don't know. Did you have more to say about that? No, no, I really yeah. don't. It's just, it, go ahead. Um, so another thing that come out of last week's uh, episode, um, we had one of our listeners uh, reach out to us about our discussion about the uh, Disney Plus rollout um, of a potential trailer for uh, the Book of Boba Fett. And uh, this was from Tim Ruppert, and I wanted to give him a shout out because he is a regular listener and often interacts with us on social media. And uh, he said he did not hear us talk about the marketing aspects to that potential rollout date because that is a time when parents are shopping and Star Wars fans are shopping for holiday gifts. And uh, there could be some uh, Book of Boba Fett style offerings to drop in the month of November. Very, very possible. Here's the here's the. Um glass is half empty response to that is that i mean who knows how much the shelves are going to be filled up with anything given our supply chain you know mess that's going on right now i mean because a lot of those a lot of those toys and we're going to be talking about some a lot of those toys are coming from the direction where all these boats are sitting offshore that can't get in so um it'll be interesting i thought that was a nice tie-in to our main topic today that might be a a little teaser for our audience there but uh yeah you're right it's no it's i i I think he's right he's spot on you put this in a a place because book of boba fett's going to start when it's too late to buy christmas and hanukkah gifts you know um, yeah, it's after. <laughs> right. So, I mean, but you launch a trailer and get all these kids excited about Boba Fett and Fennec Shan. Yeah, you could you could have a lot of. I mean, imagine if we would have seen Grogu, you know, or you know, well, I mean, well, not, we we did see Grogu before you know Christmas time, but there were no toys. Now they, yeah, I'm sure the they thing. have. They didn't want to spoil it. Yeah. Um. So okay. just FYI, before we do move off of it, I want to mention that Mingna Wen did reveal that she shot a promo for Book of Boba Fett while filming another project down in Mexico. She said she couldn't do anything, but that it's safe to assume that it will be for Disney Plus Day. Cool. So the Book of Boba Fett stuff is coming. So can we do can we do a side topic here for a second? Maybe a controversial one that yeah. you guys don't know is coming because it's uh, it gets into our collecting and. Well, that, okay, spoiler, that's what we're talking about tonight is collecting, and it's going to talk a lot about Star Wars toys. Um, but the Book of Boba Fett stuff, um, there's been a lot of kerfuffle about the fact that they are marketing Boba Fett's ship, which we all grew up as knowing it was Slave One, and it is now on the box being put as Boba Fett's starship. Controversy or not? I mean, on, on, honestly, first of all, I can see, I can see the con. You know, it's like we need, we not, we're not going to put slave one on boxes from just a, you know, you know, just from a um, perception type of a deal. You know, I mean, when I was working at Google, um, I mean, this isn't, this isn't, I don't work for them anymore anyway. So, um, but they were they were making it making concerted effort to, for example, within their code, a lot. It was it's been traditional for developers that they would have master and slave relationships in code. That was just standard when you're coding, and they're making an effort to change their code to remove those 
labels and change it to like parent child or something else that isn't, you know, ugly. Um, so I could see Star Wars, you know, I could see Hasbro and Lucasfilm saying, no, we're not going to put slave on the box. But then there's also the side of it that only old farts like us know that it's called slave one. Little kids know it as Boba Fett ship. If you want to get, if you want to get a kid to buy, I mean, because I'm sure if we looked at, maybe it did say slave one in parentheses or something on the box in 1983, but, um, you know, I mean, it, it makes sense from a marketing standpoint. Like I said, hey, kids, here's Boba Fett ship. Um, all of the above, I, you know, it's you, you understand it to a point. You think that, yes, we, we want to be very cautious with our brand. We don't want to be associated with insensitivity. So you understand those, those concerns. Um, but I also feel like I feel like it would be good to get a perspective of somebody um, who's not like an old white man. Good news, everyone! I'm in terrible pain. Um, so personally, I mean, I may just bow out of that one. Um, I, but I do think, I think it's like sort of flirting with, uh, you know, are we going too far? I don't know if we're going too far, you know. Um, but. By the same token, I don't really care. I I can't get hung up on stuff like that because like there's there's just so much good in the universe as it is. It's like, well, we're gonna take away this one tiny little sliver of something. Well, but but here's okay. the deal. Here's the deal. Um, you know, in how many times is the name Millennium Falcon dropped in the original trilogy? Bunch. So every kid knew what the Millennium Falcon was. You didn't know. Um, you didn't know what Boba Fett's ship name was. I mean, it was never said. Was never said. Heck, heck, even Boba Fett's name wasn't said until Return of the Jedi. You know, I mean, so, so, so I think it it became one of these things in when and again, I, I don't want to get us into our topic too soon, but you know, it's like the toys were made for kids back in the seventies and eighties. Then in like the late nineties and into the two thousands, I think the toys started getting, you know, created for middle aged, you know, people, you know? And so, you know, know, so yeah, you put the, you put the techno, you put the the technical name on it. Um, But again, kids don't know that. So anyway, I just thought that was kind of interesting. So, um, but yeah, Dave, I think you're. I think you're right. It's. Uh, it would be interesting to have this conversation because uh, it's. Yeah, I think it'd be cool. Fredo. No, I was, gonna, no I was just going to add right quick. I mean, yeah, I mean the name is never mentioned in the original trilogy. It's not even mentioned when Django Fett is piling in it throughout episode two. Uh, the one thing that I think kind of ties into it, and it may be a discussion for another day, is just one where we start talking about canon. Just what is canon, what we consider canon, and how much. Because the name came out of somewhere, whether it was the novelization or whether it was the toy maker giving it that name and everybody recognizing it. Uh, and just how much of it, you know, how much of that canon must be carried with us. We kind of mentioned it a bit when we discussed the Legends universe uh, uh, months back. But it's a topic that I think we, you know, it could be good to kind of discuss just because. 
how much of how much of that is we tied to? I mean, look, when the when the ship was named, it was all in the Lucasfilm, and I don't even know if Lucasfilm was even considering it. Like I said, we never get mentioned. It's not that important. Uh, it's important from the plot story of somebody chasing Han Solo and Princess Leia. But beyond that, you know, it's how much of how much of it of secondary stuff that we need to carry because oh no, it's what it was said back in eighty or eighty one or eighty two into the now and it's written in stone versus no it's okay we, we can say that's not its name well, and it was never acknowledged and, 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 and i mean you know I, one of the first action figures i got was walrus man that's what mm-hmm. it said on the package yeah. was walrus man and then like in like the lake nice no his name's ponda baba it's like well it's walrus mm-hmm. man you know um anyway we can get into that later um mm-hmm. one last bit of like uh opening bs if you guys have not watched it um Muppets Haunted Mansion is a delight. And I, I if if it's not a home run, it is at least a standing triple. I mean, it was have you guys watched it yet? Yeah. Yeah. Do you do yeah, you agree with it. me? Yeah, it was really good. We really liked it. Um, um our daughter saw it first and she's like, well, we gotta watch this together as a family. So it's like, okay, cool. And so we all sat down and watched it last night actually. And uh, we really liked it. Yeah, it's um, some of the Muppet stuff is a little hit or miss for me. Some of the recent Muppet stuff, you know, it's yes, like the, exactly. The, the Muppet, sh- the Muppet show is fabulous. The older movies, I love them all. Um, but once you got into like, I don't know, the 90s or so, it started feeling a little hit or miss for me. That's why I Do think I'm so surprised. <laughs> I think that's why I'm so surprised that I mean, I that I found this to be a home run because it was, it felt like old Muppets, you know, it, it, it went with, you know, there was still some jokes that were there for adults. Um, but it was like some of the, some of the newer Muppet stuff tried to be, again, they tried to play to, you know, all the, all the jokes playing to 40 year olds. Um, but, um, no, it was just, it was just so good. It was just so good. Um, so yeah, Fredo, you got to watch it. Got to watch it. Um, I will. I will. I gotta watch. There's a num- number of things I gotta watch, so I'm just gotta build time. So. Right. Speaking yeah. of Fredo, we'll throw it to him for some Star Wars news. Okay. So we'll start with happy news, and then we'll go into controversial news, and then we'll go to back to happy news. Uh, so first, happy news. Congratulations to Katie Sackhoff. She got married last week. Apparently, she uh, she and longtime boyfriend partner Robert Gatsby got tied the knot. So. Masseltoff. Hooray! Congrats. Hey, look, look. You know, 2020 and 2021 have not been a source of much happiness and joy, so wherever you can find it and get it, go get it. I've been impressed by that, by people that, that find those kinds of things. Like, people like um, that have given birth during the pandemic, I'm just, like, incredibly impressed by stuff like that because it's just, as it is, things feel very daunting and difficult and to like put something like that above the the crap so to speak it's like okay we're gonna just we're doing this thing we're gonna have our joy the world can suck it basically and so i'm i'm all for it i love it that should be the title of this episode the world can suck it uh in other news uh starwars.com revealed that we're gonna get four new fiction books 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 uh, next year, 
the titles and authors, let's see, we got Adam Christopher's Shadow of the Sith, Kirsten White's Padawan, which is going to be focusing on Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan. Mike Chen's going to be doing Brotherhood, which is about Obi-Wan and Anakin. And then there's going to be a short story collection book called Stories of Jedi and Sith, talking about the battle between good and evil. So they're supposed to be, uh, some of them are going to be young adults. I believe Padawan's going to be young adult, which depicts Obi-Wan in the early days as a student of Qui-Gon Jinn. Uh, and then uh, the star, I'm sorry, Adam Christopher's Shadow of the Sith is actually taking place after the Return of the Jedi when Luke and Lando try to find Exegol. So it's interesting. They're trying to do their best to uh, use the Exegol thing and well, make something, and make, make something out of it. There's, there's more to that where it has to do with Lando's daughter and um, Ochi. And so, so they're, they're, it almost seems like... Hey, let's let's try to let's try to shove the plot of Rise of Skywalker down their throat again, so they're not so mad at us, you know, so we can explain some things that ticked them off. I don't know. I mean, sounds like an interesting story. I mean, it is one of those things mm-hmm. like Luke and I went on this adventure, but we'll tell you some other time. So this is when they're going to tell it. Um, yeah. Now, I wanted to say to, to you know, to, yeah, in summertime, summertime next year. To Dave's point, you know, in, about visions, where it's like, you know, how many times they're going to go to the well with Jedi. It's like that seems to be a systemic problem within Lucasfilm stories right now because it's like, really, we got another book about Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan and we're going to have, you know, we've had criminy seven seasons of the Clone Wars to talk about Obi-Wan and Anakin and now we're going to have a, a book, you know, and maybe that book makes sense. It's going to lead us into the, you know, have some sort of get us prepped for the Obi-Wan show, but it seems to be a systemic problem if you see it as a problem that they're just kind of stuck on Jedi. Jedi yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with that. Like, um, yeah, you look at the list here and it's just like, okay, Jedi, Jedi, Sith, Jedi, you know? So it's like, yeah, it's just, it's more of the same. And if you, if you think it's a problem, then yeah, it's more of the same. It's like, can we get some character, development of people who aren't jedi you know and can we get some of these stories involving people who don't have these special abilities and i i'd love to read more of that i'd love to watch more of that um i think that it part of what makes star wars this really cool rich tapestry is is all these different unique special characters like again i'll go back to the um action figure uh, example that we've been talking about it's like you've got um you got your little walrus man uh, action figure and he's not a he's not a jedi you're reenacting the cantina scene you know yeah. or, or or some other scene where he's getting into hijinks prior to the cantina you know and so there's all these cool stories that you can tell it doesn't have to be strictly that though i will say the axical stuff it's, I, I like it, um, but I also see through it because I also understand that this is what they did with the prequels, which is like a lot of people were kind of confused about their prequels or dissatisfied. And so, well, we're going to build, we're going to tell more of that story so that you become more um, 
happy about that about that story overall and you begin to learn more about these characters that we're trying to we tried to establish in the movies but maybe weren't as successful as we'd hoped for and so i think like this is kind of the same thing um the, we're doing that now with the sequels and more specifically with rise of skywalker it's like i want to we want to make sure that we lay groundwork and backstory so that people develop more of an affinity for that film and i you know like if you know people like there's certain people that are affiliated with star wars like dave filoni who have done a great job of that and i would trust them to continue to do that going forward uh so again i i can't like find fault with them trying to do that i think it's smart now I'm going to lead us into one of Fredo's upcoming bullets. You're going to be skipping one because the story that I want to hear at some point is Maz Kanata's, you know, it's a story for another time of how she came to get uh, Luke's lightsaber. Um, mm-hmm. Do you have anything mm-hmm. to add on that, uh, Fredo? Well, yes, actually, interestingly, uh, about a week or so ago, Mark Hamill confirmed that in one of the early, actually the original script for Force Awakened, the opening scene of The Force Awakens was not the introduction of the First Order and Kylo Ren uh, assaulting the village where Lord Tanseka was, but was instead a hand hurtling through the stratosphere, flesh and bone burning away, leaving behind only a lightsaber that impaled on the surface of an unnamed planet. Yes! The hand of course, Luke Skywalker's. Mark yes! Hamill confirmed on Twitter that that was the op- original opening scene of The Force Awakens. Of course, it didn't come to be. He does joke. He had the sequence been retained, I would have had bookended the cameos twice the screen time and the Force Awakens. <laughs> I would have earned twice the screen time. I love more. I'm just, I'm just imagining. So I'm trying to picture the image of a hand, a cutoff hand, burning away. You get nothing but bone, then that burns away. That might have been a bit too much for the younger crowd, but you know, it would have been cool. It probably would have been too much for the younger crowd, but it was definitely part of the original rumor mill. Um, I think that there were actual reports that came out uh, that that said that this was going to be the opening scene, that this Mm -hmm. hand with this lightsaber hurtling through space was going to be the opening scene. And, And so it's really kind of fun to have Mark confirm it now. I'm just thinking, okay, the last time we see that hand is when it's falling outside of Bespin. How did it get into space? Did it get launched by the Tabana gas? I mean, what, what happened? I, you know, I'm trying to compare the thoughts, and then I realize it's a Star Wars movie. Don't think about it like that. You could have a lot of fun with, like, just, like, his dismembered hand, like, just, like, traveling through the galaxy. Getting into <laughs> adventures. Yeah, like on Robot Chicken or something, you could just have this the story of his hand just traveling through all these random places. Which, speaking of collecting and toys, does that mean we should have gotten a, a Hasbro action figure, whatever action figure, just the hand and the lightsaber? Hey, in the I've, box? I've actually, there's a, uh, I've got a, a Bespin Luke that the hand comes off. It's a magnet. So uh, <laughs> we can recreate that right now. <laughs> I, I heard that rumor. I had heard that rumor long ago. I mean, before Force Awakens came out, I remember at the time thinking, God, that'd be so stupid. <laughs> and hearing it again, I'm like, thank God they didn't put that in there. Um, 
don't know. It's, well, so. I mean, that might that might explain why in the Last Jedi he just chucked the lightsaber outside. Because if you imagine the opening scene is that, and then the final scene is Ray going, "Here's your lightsaber." Luke's gonna go. My, Are you kidding me? One of my favorite memes though is when Luke when when Ray is holding the lightsaber, and then Luke says, uh, "There was a hand with it. Did you have the? Did you find the hand?" <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, <laughs> you know, I often, I often wonder about this. Okay. So Mark Hamill confirms it. It's like, all right. All right. But that's, he's getting to the, the age where it could be your like, you know, half senile uncle, you know, Joe, who just, yeah, I did. I, I met, you know, president Nixon and, you know, it, you know what I mean? It's just like, is he, is he actually confirming it or is he just, playing or is it you know did the myth become store i don't know i don't know he could be having some fun with us yeah all right you jj know? what i want to see is i there, if if it was if it i, I want to see the film of it or the, there's got to be an animatic of it somewhere so anyway there's a sequence of it somewhere so what i want to know is like how did the hand like not like decompose over the course of 20 years or whatever you know, like, be like all like, you know, just basically down to like nothing but bone, essentially. And just it's like, was the vacuum of space somehow like, you know, Star Wars, Star Wars science took over. And now you've got like this hand preserved in space. I don't, I don't know. It makes no you sense. know what this means? Whenever we get from a certain point of Force Awakens, the opening chapter has to be about the hand. I know going to write that story. <laughs> But there's gonna be a story about the hand. I, I, yeah, yeah. We gotta, we gotta uh, talk to Brittany. Far off in Could do an Adams family. Story. You could do an Adams family mashup where it's you know thing and you know. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> you mentioned visions, right? Quick, I'll just bring up uh, you know quick, uh, quickly. Uh, uh, the director of the Ninth Jedi, the, the short for Star Wars Visions, was interviewed in Japan, and he says that he'd love to have the chance to make it a full-length feature, and that he feels he, uh, he has a complete story in place to tell. So there's there's some suggestion that possibly that you know they could take a look at that anime short as a pilot episode, so to speak. And but then I was thinking, there's a number of Vision shorts you could say that that you could say, okay. We saw one episode, and we could see a few others out of it. I almost feel like I have seen a quote from a, at least another cre- uh, another creator that said something similar, which was like, yes, you know, we have an idea for a fuller story. Um, and again, if this is sort of their audition tape, um, cool, you know, and it's like, if and it's on Disney to decide if, uh, you know who gets to go forward and with something a little bit longer and more detailed that's you know that's great i i'd love that if they if they brought these so some some of these uh creators back and, and let them uh, go to town on this stuff and we'll just finish up right quick with uh aaron's favorite story ever regarding uh star wars prison star wars Disney. prison yeah galactic star cruiser uh apparently tickets went on sale uh to disney Vacation club members and whatnot, um, and they of course they had numbers problems, calls reaching capacity for a two-hour wait. Uh, the queue was a capacity. Uh, apparently, the prices for the standard cabin were underestimated, 
the, the cost of a standard cabin for two adults was $5,200, not the $3,500 that they were mentioning weeks back. However, in maiden voyage for March 1st, 2022, sold out. I never doubted that that I never doubted that it was going to be a sellout at the beginning. What's going to be interesting is that when what we're talking about a year from now, is it, mm -hmm. you know, is it still going to be that? I mean, is it going to be selling out, you know, over and over again? The other thing is that we're, um, you know, it's Disney's 50th, uh, Disney World's 50th anniversary uh, this year. So I, I think tickets say, and we're coming out of the pandemic. So I think a lot of people have that they, they have vacations to take and money to spend probably. But it will be interesting, like I said, a year from now. So sorry, I'll be glasses half empty again there. Oh, no, no, no. It's totally fun. I mean, realistically, I mean, everybody knows, though, particularly when it comes to popular stuff in Star Wars, there's always going to be a rush by some people, super fans, collectors, the like, who want to be the first to that experience. And then there's a natural come down process where it, things adjust. It has well, to the, the, I mean, I got, I'm sorry, I'm not to belabor this whole thing again, but the thing that's going to be getting kind of because they're going to be people like me and I've seen, I've seen, they're like really excited. You know, the people who are like I said in the 500 first do the cosplay thing. And this is like, wow, this is like, you know, Nirvana for them. This is like, this is going to be awesome. But then all of a sudden you're going to go to this galactic star cruiser where you're going to have that group of people. Then you're going to have half the group of people that were there with their kids. And it's going to mm -hmm. get annoying on one end and creepy on another. You know what I mean? And it, it's going to be kind of like you go to, when urban South had the bouncy house, it's like I'm 47 years old. I really want to go in the bouncy house, but there's a lot of kids in there and it's like, no, it's going to look, I'm going to look weird, you know? So Let's, you relent from going into the bouncy house, you know, the bouncy house is not for you, Aaron. Well, it's in a bar, Dave. I mean, the bar is not for kids either. So, you know, it's like, I mean, now, to be fair, you're in new Orleans. So, <laughs> Kids yeah. and bars is not a normal thing. Bars, not a weird thing here. But you know what I mean. It's just going to be. A, so I wonder, is there going to become this like, you know, who's? I want to see the video of the first Karen to say, you know, to some twenty-five-year-old is like, okay. why are you here anyway? This is for kids, and the twenty-five-year-old is, you know, dressed as Qui Gon Jinn and wanting to go play with lightsaber. It's just going to be. It's going to be weird. Now, I was just going to say, uh, last week I went to see The Who, the Mongolian metal band that did the song for uh, Jedi Fallen Order. Did they have awesome the bouncy house? Get a chance to see, it, see him. Yeah, but it was interesting was, I mean, there was in the middle of all that, there was a mosh pit. And I'm like, okay, let me get to the other side behind this wooden column so that, yep, there go people flying. Because obviously some people are not interested in being in a mosh pit. And, you know, with my bad back and my bum ankle, I'm my moshing days are over. Yeah, did you have, that. did you have I'm moshing thinking, days? Huh? Did yeah, you have you know, moshing one or days? Two when I was you know, younger and dumber. But the point being, if I felt uncomfortable moshing with 25 year olds, I cannot imagine 47 year old Aaron in the bouncy house. I, with the I will get, I'll give you another, I'll give you another example. I was in San Francisco, um, with, and co with a couple co-workers and we were in Japantown. Maybe I've told you the story before. We were in Japantown, met up with my friend Kevin. We met up with some of his friends for lunch and they wanted to go, they went to this anime shop and there's my buddy Jared and I 
we were both, you know, in our mid mid forties and there was a bunch of little teenage girls running all around and it's like, do you want to go wait outside? Yeah, I want to go wait outside. You know, it was just like felt I don't belong here. <laughs> so um, even though anime is not just for 13 year old girls, don't at me on Twitter. But you know what I mean? You get into that situation where it's like, you know, there's an audience at all age levels. But at some point, it's just like, eh, I don't know. So. I got a, I got a story of a buddy of mine. Uh, we uh, we went to a toasters show, and um, this was maybe two years back. So, you know, we're past our prime. The toasters are past their prime. Anybody going to a toasters show is past their prime, basically. And so we go to this thing, and they sounded great. The band was wonderful, um, but. At a point during the show, because they're a ska band, you start seeing people skanking a little bit in the middle of the room. And my buddy's like, I kind of want to go out there. I kind of want to go do that. And I'm like, you need to slow down. <laughs> we're not 20 years old anymore. We're not We're not going to be able to go out there and skank. Hey, what's and not, up, fellow you know, young people? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, you know, we got jobs like, and tax responsibilities. Oh, uh, you know, it's funny though. Is that the is that it for the news? Because like that's it for the news. Because yes. that that's kind of a transition. Like act your age a little bit, maybe. I don't know. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't know if I should take that as a slap, uh, but uh, <laughs> that's so, going to be my that's going to be my contribution to the story. Well, it's not about you. Yeah, uh, no, that's fine. It's uh, so this so our main topic got to thinking about collecting, um, and not just Star Wars, but just collecting in general. Um, and uh, because this past Saturday I was at uh, the St. Tammany Collectors Convention, and um, 501st was trooping, had a really good turnout of 501st. We actually had two ADAT drivers, and I was in my snow trooper, and there was a Darth Vader. Um, couple TKs, uh, you know, um, a TIE fighter pilot. Then the Rebel Legion was there as well. The coolest part of it was the Droid Builders Club was there. So they had all sorts of, they had a mouse droid and they had an R2 unit. And that's, every time I see that, I geek out. Um, but as we're getting set up and, uh, you know, in my, in my uh, uniform and, this guy comes up and he's it's an older gentleman and he's got a, a royal blue kenner polo on and then i also notice he's got a 501st badge on the other side and i noticed the name and that's when i put two and two together um jim swearingen who is he was the guy who designed the original um star wars toys like we're talking for kenner like we're talking 1970 late 70s you know early he designed those figures um and so he was there uh, he was doing a panel and he was also signing stuff um, but he's an honorary member of the 501st 501st will do that for some of these uh for actors or people can you know their contributions to star wars as a whole um and he came over to our booth just because you know he has an affinity for the 501st well anyway 
so like I tweeted, I said, if anybody is to blame, it's for my, for me, it's him. Um, because uh, he, you know, he designed these, these things that I fell in love with right away. But I, I, when I met him though, at later, um, I watched, he, uh, he, I saw him just walking through the collector's booths and looking at rows and rows and rows of action figures. I mean, not just Star Wars stuff. I mean, it was all genres and everything, but he's just looking through all this stuff. And I went up to him and I said, I said, Jim, did you think when you designed these figures in 1977, 78, whatever it is, that this is what would happen? Because really it was, I mean, yeah, there was the G.I. Joe figures, the 12-inch stuff and everything, but really action figure collecting and the action figure line, you know, just, I guess, you know, just action figures in general took off because of Star Wars and Kenner. And he said, no, he said, you know, he said, we're just, we're just making toys. You know, that was our, that was our, our job. You know, we just had to make these toys, had no idea that, you know, then to see people collecting these things. Um, but like I said, just watching him look at these, I was kind of getting into his head of like, wow, what, what I started. Um, so I guess it got to me, you know, thinking about why I do collect stuff. You know, what do I collect? What don't I collect? Um, and so, uh, you know, so I guess that's what I just want to talk about. Because there's also, you know, Jim Swearingen also is part of, um, if you have Netflix, there's an awesome series on there, The Toys That Made Us. And he is there, like the second episode is the Star Wars episode. And he is interviewed extensively in that. And actually, part of one of part of that episode, they have a sociologist, you know, talking about why people collect. And we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, but I guess uh, so. Let's just kind of go around the horn. I mean, you know, it, it, was there anything um, not even Star Wars? Let's just say anything that you collected, you know, maybe. That, and I guess I'm, how do we want to define collect? Maybe had more than just one of you know what I mean? Was there something that the new one is out? I got to go get it. Or I really want to go get it. Well, did you guys have anything like that growing up? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think probably most of us did. Um, I, I, I can give you specific examples. Um, uh, tons of action figures as a kid. And again, like collect is kind of a loose term with that because, um, we we were as as children we were limited by funds uh limited by what our parents would buy for us um and so forth and so um but like for me it was like i want as many transformer toys as i can get my hands on i want as many star wars action figures as i can get my hands on i want as many uh he-man figures as I can get my hands on, and I think eventually I went as far as the Ninja Turtles with it too. It's like you know, semi-collecting Turtles. Um, but when you talk about like being more of a completionist, um, I think as a kid, what's more uh, achievable and more appealing in that regard is uh, sports cards, yeah, and comic books, and because you can get like the complete set 
you know, like I've got, you know, all of this year or I've got this run of this particular comic. And they released like one comic book a month rather than like 12 of them in a line all at once. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it was a buck, you know, and it was like a buck a month. And, you know, you go and you get your comic and then you're good if you could find it. That is a trick sometimes because sometimes there'd be a limited run on something. Um, not really intentionally ever at that stage of things, uh, like trying to drum up scarcity. That's been more of a recent phenomenon, at least to my point, uh, at least to my knowledge. But um, I remember very vividly. I, so I was collecting Transformers comic books. Um, and I started around issue 47 or so. Um, that's when I got into it. And so then I had to back collect everything um, and, you know, go to flea markets and old shops and things like that and, and try to get all the old stories. Um, and eventually did that and got all caught up and got up to like issue. Okay, so now this is the part where I'm going to like struggle. I think it was issue 71. And for whatever reason, this was printed by Marvel. For whatever reason, they did a limited run of that that month of that issue. And they just, uh, you know, maybe they didn't have the budget for it. You know, things were tight that month. They had to tighten their belts, whatever. Uh, I didn't get that issue in Emporia, Kansas. Um, BFE, as I like to say. Um, So... I was kind of SOL on that issue for like a decade until I got it as a gift one year from my brother. He, he ponied up the $20 or whatever it cost him to buy that one issue. Um, but yeah, but I eventually got the complete run of the first um, set, you know, the all 80, I think it was 80 issues. Um, and then I got some of the side runs to, and uh so that was my thing i had i had that thing and that was again like i said it was a on average a dollar a month then you had to try to get to the store on a certain date because you knew that was when the thing was going to get uh issued and and so you wanted to make sure that you got it um so and that was that was prescient <laughs> on my part so why, it, uh... that was the one issue that i couldn't get so why why transformers what what was it that was like i've i've got to you know you started at 47 what made you i mean what made you then go back and get the previous 46 what was it that you know you had to do this i read that first issue and thought this is an interesting story and um i like the characters and i liked um I like the direction that the story took. I thought it was more, um, more grown up than the like the old cartoon series. We all watch the cartoon series, and you go back and you watch it now, and it's kind of like watching paint dry. It's just, <laughs> it's like, oh my god, um, oh, they're stealing energon again. You know, they're going to an oil refinery this time, and so, um, and they're going to talk about how they're conquering the world. Um, this was a lot more refined than that. The dialogue was, was strong. And so like, for me, it was the story. I got pulled into the story. I was like, I need the whole story. And, and, and it became not even just, but like you said, to your point, 
it wasn't just just about the story there was kind of a compulsion uh to it of well i want to collect this now and this i think the biggest draw for me was the um achievability of it Hmm. i was like i can i can do this i can get every issue i know that i can do that because again it's not a huge financial commitment fredo did you have anything that you collected as a as a kid i'm trying to think back part part of the issue for me was that a lot of uh having to emigrate men leaving 99 percent of my stuff when i was a kid back in nicaragua so when you move here you i mean only came in with half a suitcase so Nothing from that time made it out here. When I started working, I mean, the first thing as a kid here, it was like baseball cards, football cards, you know, you know tops, ultra deck, that kind of thing. Yeah, at one point, the Tom Glavin rookie card, I just got ink all over because, you know, that's what happens. Um, but then I got into comic books when I started working, you know, part-time at the local Taco Bell. And there was something like that. It was just the opportunity to read and that you can collect something and uh you can go back next month i I mean i still remember uh frank's uh comic book store down the street from where i grew up and me and my brother would just go down there and if you know by that point i mean this is the early 90s you could you know you know kind of tell the store owner hey I, i like i'm interested in this series and that series and they would make sure to put your name down that you're gonna buy that comic book and make sure you'd have a copy. I mean, you know, the, they'd order like 50, but they you know 20 were already bought and paid for basically. And so you just show up and pick up your comic books and off you go. And it was uh, interesting because I, I mean, I stopped collecting them once I went to college because I couldn't bring them with me. Uh, and there's somewhere in my parents' house, there's about three tubs full of X-Men comic books, Spider-Man comic books, a lot of the image stuff. I have, all the original first edition run Spawn from Todd McFarlane, which probably worth a pretty penny now. And uh, I think I got through like, you know, like issue 25 with maybe issue 30 with them. Anyway, but by that point, I mean, it used to be a dollar per, but by, by that point, we're talking about 95 or so. They got to the point where the comic books are now dollars or $2 for the normal issue and $3 for the special edition. And, when the comic book uh, speculation wave hit and nearly took the whole industry down uh, because they're doing the variant covers and whole new exciting special editions and there's a new issue first issue a new first issue but uh so that was kind of what it did it was mostly like a kid teen it was mostly that it was it was trading cards at first and then that morphed into comic books because i mean i mean i'm really it wasn't even that i was getting them because i was interested in uh collecting them it was more i want to read the story and a service like marvel universe you know, didn't exist then you know and if i could have gotten them in an ipad just every month i would have you known and read to my heart's delight i would have done that but i didn't get a chance to do it then so i bought them yeah it's so you know i first of all, I've, I've said on this show before i'll never I, one of the memories i have just totally vivid in my brain was when we got our first star wars figures and we didn't, we didn't have a lot um, as kids either. I mean, mom and dad didn't have a lot of money. Um, you know, I had friends who had like all the stuff and you loved going to stay the night at their house because they had all the things, you know, the Death Star and, and everything else. Um, 
but um so i and i i it's so you know i i don't i always wanted you know I, I, you know, always wanted Star Wars figures. Always, I dug GI Joe as well. Transformers, the Transformer toys were really cool as well. Um, and when I look back at it as a kid, it kind of gets into what the sociologist talks about in the um, in the Netflix series. Is that, you know, I, he said uh, a science fiction, well, uh, like a sports fan. If you if you 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 have a really good chance of going and seeing your favorite team play a game, you know, or multiple games. You have that, there's an opportunity, you know, year after year, week after week to go, to go see this as like a star Wars fan, you're waiting, you know, three years between movies. And then as we were growing up, there was also, you know, v, you know VCRs didn't come until a little bit later. So you couldn't just go to the movie into the, video store and pop in the movie all the time. So these action figures, you know, allowed you to keep that experience alive, you know? And I think you get into, I want more toys so that I can, you know, create more of these, you know, recreate more of these scenarios. You know, I don't know how many times I took my Millennium Falcon and bashed the radar dish off up against something after I saw, you know, Return of the Jedi. Um, so he says that there's that there's that aspect of it. So these these things that we collect as you know as kids we get to recreate, and and it's really I think you know the imagination of a child is off the charts. I mean, so it's like they'll they'll have it's no problem to have um, you know GI Joe and Star Wars. I mean, we were we were doing the you know the crossover events way before you know anybody else ever was because you know we had like i said superman gi joe and star wars all in the same universe and we were invading my sister's you know barbie dream house you know um so the imagination aspect of it i think and again you you want more of these things because you can create more scenarios now i'm going to fast forward to as an adult um this is maybe where dave's going to start you know hammering down on me. but i so i mean <laughs> Yeah, through college, I you know didn't have any Star Wars stuff really through college anything, and it was when the Power of the Force two came out um, in ninety six, because as a uh, like the Christmas before Brittany and I got married, so I guess it would have been ninety five. My friend Mike got me like five of those figures. It was like Darth Vader, Luke. Han, you know, is some of the the original power because they re, they rebooted the Star Wars line, and he just got it for me as kind of like a lark, kind of a joke, or you know, just like, hey, this is kind of cool. You need to have it, and that made me realize how much I dug Star Wars. It, it rekindled this, and as I'm graduating college, as I am, you know, getting married. As I am going out into you know the real world on my own, this allowed me a little bit of that Peter Pan, you know, to keep one foot, you know, not 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 allowing myself to become a fuddy-duddy, you know. But then also as part of it, this is when the collector, the chase part of it comes in because now I do have a little bit, I didn't have much at the time, but I had a little bit more expendable income. So it's like when I'm reading about this, where there's a variant in this one figure, 
And so you're going to every Target and Walmart looking for that one thing, you know. And it wasn't so that I could sell it to somebody for a hundred dollars. It's just so I could say I found it. It was like a treasure hunt, you know. That wasn't the case as kids, you know. It was like if you wanted a, you know, a loop, you you found it. It was not that big a deal, you know. Um, so that was kind of entertaining, you know. To where can I find it? And so, sorry, I'm getting a long story. So, but then it is like my collection now. I do not collect um, everything Star Wars. It's like one of my biggest pet peeves is when, like, if it's really nice when somebody does it. I will say that you know, it's like they're thinking of me. They know that I like Star Wars. They got this Burger King toy. Here you go. You know, my students did this all the time, and so it's like, I, I this is not what I want. You know. It has to be something that's like, you know, I like finding stuff that maybe isn't available everywhere or generally it's for the original saga. The prequel stuff doesn't turn my crank all that much. I've got a lot of prequel stuff, but, you know, it's mainly that. So I what I'm getting at is it's allowing I I need to have that foot in the past of when things weren't old and you know um when you know i didn't have to worry about health insurance i didn't have to worry about parents dying i didn't have to worry about you know you know my checkbook is we're at you know ten dollars at the end of the month you know i needed to have one foot in there so like i said that's why i said a psychiatrist could have a field day with me because every time i get something it makes me feel like I said, just, okay, I can escape. Sorry, that was a long, that was a long monologue. No, it's all right, man. And I, I would take only, the only issue I would take with any of that is when you were trying to kind of say, well, it's more of an adult thing, the thrill of the treasure hunt, which I'm like, no, because that treasure hunt was there for me when I was a kid, especially with things like football cards. Um and I, like, I, I told the story about trying to get that comic every month. You know, it's like you got to beat your, you know, possible competition to the store to get the thing. Um, but, yeah, there were um, there were a lot of figures that I, I recall, like, trying to get to the store and trying to find them. And, like, sometimes they'd be in, like, some big, huge mess you know, like a like bargain bin style where it was just like a free for all and you couldn't find anything. Like I, th- I think about like the Voltron effect where it was like all the different Voltron figures would combine together to become the big Voltron. And you had to have each figures to well, and make isn't that, the big Voltron. Isn't that a, a great marketing thing? Because Transformers did it too when they had the Constructicons yeah. or whatever they were called. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where you had to get all of them to form one huge. I, so, yeah, it's that that's when, uh, like I said, the, that was the late 80s. They started, OK, we can get people, you know, sucked into some of this stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, and, you know, a lot of that was deliberate. Um, I'm sure it was just sort of a neat, cool idea at first. Um, like, ooh, these things combine together and they make a big robot, you know. But then eventually it was like, oh, <laughs> you are going to need all of them. So they're going to want to try to get all of them and they'll buy more. 
Yeah. And it's also interesting because I, I have a lot of Star Wars action figures, but I haven't, I don't remember the last time that I bought one. I don't remember, you know, it's anymore. My collection has shifted to it, it's, it's, it's like what, when, you know, Brittany and I, we stopped getting each other um, presents for Christmas and birthdays and anniversaries and stuff like that, because we want to spend that money on experiences. We want to go on trips. We want to go to concerts. We want to, you know, experiences. And so that's where my collecting has shifted is that like I was walking around the St. Tammany collector's convention there was a lot of cool stuff, but nothing that made me want to go grab my wallet and go get it. Now, I, I almost, you know, if I hadn't have gotten a, a picture taken with him um, with my own phone, I would have paid the money and got Jim Swearingen to sign something. You know, so he had pictures that he was signing and stuff like that. Because, again, there's that connection. It's like my favorite things. I have an Instagram post from a couple of years ago where I started doing this like kind of 10 day deal of just my favorite things that I've collected. And a lot of it was autographs, you know, because then that, there's that connection that I had with Peter Mayhew for 30 seconds or that connection that I had with, you know, uh, Kenny Baker for 30 seconds. And, you know, those are very meaningful to me. Um, so I see that's where my, and, and again, I think I said the psychiatrist just put me on the couch because I know it is, it is escapism. It is, you know, call it Peter Panism, like I said, if you want to, but it, it, um, it, it also reminds me of what my grandmother always said, said, you're only as old as you allow yourself to be. I think it's okay if you want to go bounce in a bouncy house. I don't think it's okay for you to push the kids out of the way so you can go bounce in the bouncy house, you know? <laughs> If you're collecting, you, you don't, it, I th always thought it was a dirt bag move for these, you know, guys at target who would call their friends and they'd go and dig through the boxes of figures before they got on the shelf so that they could, you know, have all these things. So everybody's stuck with, you know, the crap figure, you know, um, cause I, I you know, I, I, th I, th I do think that's garbage. Um, so is there anything you guys collect as adults? I've, you know, I still am going with my Star Wars stuff, but um, Fredo, I've seen you get more than one bobblehead. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now I've gotten, let's see, I got a few Funkos, actually, and a few bobbleheads here and there. Usually it's related to uh, an event or if a game I went to or an experience I went to. Kind of like it's, it's more having to do with latching on to there was an experience and you want to have something that reminds you of it. Uh, if it's a trip or something like that. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, <laughs> during the pandemic, I just started rebe rebuilding a few Legos. Nothing major, but you know, a few here and there. And then I uh, just recently started getting back on uh, getting albums, like vinyl. I'm like, I have less than a less than a, than, a, than than five or six right now. But you know, I'm trying to do that kind of thing. It's it's surprising because I think in part in part a lot of times there's a push pull as an adult as to how much stuff do you really want to have, and how much you know. How much value do you want to want to put? Like there was a point in time, like at the start of pandemic, where I was just like, okay, let me help out friends that I know, people that I know that are artists and struggling. And next thing I know, I have no space in my walls to hang anything else. So all of a sudden, the stuff is getting shoved to the side, and you're like, okay, that's not really appropriate. Uh, but you do it with good intentions. 
Uh, but I think I'm trying to think in terms of collecting. Like, yeah, I got a few Funkos. Um, I think more than anything, like if it's anything I want to collect at this point in life, it's more the experience, like you were saying. It's the going someplace. It's the doing something. It's the okay, you you know how was it like? couple of you know, a few weeks back our cars got broken into and i'm more upset about the fact that the guys took my little coin purse that i bought at plaza garibaldi in mexico city which had like three bucks and quarters then there was the fact that they busted a 250 dollars window yeah the window is a window i can replace that now the little coin purse i gotta go back down to mexico city to go get that sucker that's and again it's tied to an experience tied to stuff and Sometimes I think that's that's why you end up collecting stuff. It's you want to have retain a certain aspect of the memory of the moment that you felt with that, whether it was you know, not just get to the psychonaut, but just that experience, that that sensation that it makes you feel. Uh, you know, it's it's a good. It can can be a good one. It can also be a negative, a negative one when you got, like I said, guys calling buddies to go. No, no, save up all the Mister Whatever action figures to the side and we'll put them up on ebay and charge 500 bucks the other thing that i got i think a lot of is mardi gras throws which i think everybody does yeah. at this point in in new orleans you know everybody got their shoe everybody got their grill everybody got their coconut you know and i always feel kind of sad when i see people posting all that stuff on ebay i'm like mm. you know to, to, to a topic you know that's a topic that dave and i were discussing earlier that relationship between the creator and the audience and it's if you give somebody answers something that they made for themselves and gave it to you and then it feels kind of gosh or kind of you know tasteless you just gotta go ebay 100 bucks buy it for me you know so dave yeah, our, I, our alarm has gone off but is there anything that you uh, as an adult yeah. um has have latched on to well the emotional side of it that right i was talking about is something that i wanted to touch on because i just think that that's so important um the my experience so we, you aaron you were talking about the older we get the more we want experiences and Fredo, you were talking about the older we get the more we the more crap we have we don't have room for anything else and so i think like for me it's it's very much that like i i love when I can have something that will remind me of a particular experience. Like we have jazz fest posters. That's, that's a big one for us, right? We go to a music festival, we'll get the poster. It's like, we've run out of wall space and we don't have everything framed, but it's like, there's still kind of a bit of a compulsion there to say like, well, let me get that thing because that will remind, that's something tangible that will remind me of this event and this experience and this this positive sensation that i had that was a good day we were sitting out in the sun listening to music i had my mango freeze it was a good day you know so it's like that poster kind of brings those things back for you but i you know the thing i was going to talk about a little bit was just you know and i you know i poked fun earlier um because it was something that when you asked us this topic and you said, do you still collect as an adult? And part of me was like, well, I don't collect star Wars stuff as an adult. Really? I have the lightsaber, but again, that was an experience, right? Mm -hmm. I had that experience at the park with my son and that, that lightsaber takes me back to that. Um, but I think back, 
like why don't I do these things as an adult? It's not because I think they're childish. It's because somebody at some point told me they were childish. And then I internalized that and that's what defined my behavior going forward. So that's really interesting that you say that because there is a um uh Sir Ken Robinson has a great if just find stuff that he's talking about education on YouTube. Um, but he was talking about divergent thinking and, uh, like for example, divergent thinking is like, um, you give somebody a paperclip and say, imagine all the different things you can do with this paper, with a paperclip. And they said actually that kids, um, score at genius levels in divergent thinking because they don't put the parameters around things. Like they, when you just said a paper clip, you didn't say the paper clip couldn't be 200 feet tall, made of foam rubber, you know. So they, they are so creative with this. And they said, as they test these kids for divergent thinking, they see that their scores go down the older they get. Mm-hmm. So we do as a society, um, and by the way, I also wanna point out that there is something you know, there's a big statement to be made about how, you know, it's this American consumerism. I've got to have, I've got to have everything, you know, um, there's part of that as well. But, but we do, to your point, it's like somebody told you to put away childish things. I always hate it when people throw out that Bible quote. It's like, you know, go read more of the Bible than that one. You know, I put away childish things. It's like, you know, so you have to grow old and die is what we're, we're telling people, you know what I mean? Yeah. And the people, the person I want to be is like the lady we saw at Finn's a couple of weeks ago who's celebrating her 75th birthday, having beer and dancing outside of Finn's, you know, it's like, that's the person I want to be. I want to be the person that, you know, that's, uh, he was celebrating his, uh, like, I think it was his 80th birthday at, uh, Pat O'Brien's, he was having a hurricane with his son watching the piano bar. This was several years ago. You know, it's why you can get older, but you don't have to grow old. And so if, you know, yeah, but uh, you're right. Somebody tells you that you got to worry about adult things now. So I, I, you know, and uh, again, I I think my relationship with my parents is complicated. And I think a lot of people feel the same way about their own parents. And and like um, they did a good job of kind of, making sure that I didn't want for things. Right. But they also had this very traditional mindset about certain things. It's like, you can't play with toys anymore. Aren't you too old for that? You know, like those kinds of comments and those things would affect you. And, um, for me personally, it was, it was, a it was, um, there was a reckoning that eventually had to be made where I had to be comfortable in my own skin. It's like, I'm comfortable with this stuff. I like this stuff. There's nothing wrong with liking this stuff. And so that's part of it for me. And so I thought, let me make sure that I address that. But like, (laughs) I come back to Fredo with with like the muses shoe. Like, like, I think we've all gotten into some sort of scrape with somebody on a parade route where somebody's, like, elbowing you out of the way and trying to, like, take your face off to, to catch a Mardi Gras throw. Or, 
all, all you want is one damn coconut and the same person keeps going to every float going by and getting two coconuts at a time and keep going and dumping them into their, you know, bag. It's like spread the wealth. That's going to be the one you know? that's going to be the one that's going to be selling them all online um, later on. Yeah. So uh, it's ridiculous. I mean, like Mardi Gras is a perfect example of this stuff because like, is there any sort of intrinsic Oh, I mean, art, people people just want doubloons because they're going for a complete set of you know name parade crew here you know yeah that's mm-hmm. huge and, and there's something going on there you know the psychology of it like if i get a a thing that i consider to be special then i'm that special makes me special right right and i'm like maybe (laughs) how far is that gonna how far is that gonna take you it's not it's um i you know and the collecting side of it i think like there is a thrill and there's a rush and there's excitement it's like the treasure hunt aspect i'm i'm all i'm with you on that it's like yes i got the thing that i was looking for i was hunting for this thing and i got it and there's an adrenaline and there's an excitement. And then you remember those things too. We talked about creating these memories and trying to, you know, hold on to these good memories. Those are good memories. You remember them. By the way, I, I thought of you at the, uh, at the convention, Dave, because so, there was one booth that was selling, they had a bunch of original Nintendo cartridges. Oh man, that market is so bad right now. Like that, everything's overpriced because the pandemics. Everybody got into retro gaming over the pandemic, so everything's overpriced in retro gaming. FYI, to anybody listening to this right now, if you're thinking, "Hmm, I I remember this game of my youth. I'm gonna go back and find it." Well, you're gonna have a hard time, and it might be really pricey, and you may be disappointed. I'm letting you know right now, but. Um, but yeah, you know, like those things, like, oh, the treasure hunt. I'm going to go find the thing. I got the thing. I'm excited about this thing that I got. And that's that's awesome because, again, those memories you keep with you. I remember, um, and again, I, we'll probably need to shut this down soon, but um, I got the Super Nintendo Classic when it came out. Because at that point, I had nothing like video gamey really at all. We had, a, I think we had a PS2, and I think I was it, like from when I was like 25. And I, and I think that was the only thing that we had. And so it's like, okay, the Super, NES, Super Nintendo Classic comes out. I'm like, oh my gosh, I remember all those games. I love those games. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get this thing. So I had to go there. I had to go to Target, get in a line, get a like special ticket. And like wait there at like seven in the morning for the store to open with my special ticket to go get the the thing. But I'm never going to forget that memory of sitting there with these other people who were my age, who remembered the Super Nintendo from when they were kids. And they were like, yes, yes, I'm here for the same reason. Or I'm here for my boyfriend or I'm here for my wife. And there was one guy I'll never forget. He's come sprinting, sprinting through the car garage with a baby carrier like he's like running with this with this baby (laughs) to get in line to get a super nintendo and i'm just like man like 
like that memory of that guy running through the garage. And again, I was like, I don't think I would take it that far. I don't think I would run with my child through a car garage. But I want to. I'm appreciative of that guy existing because I have that story to tell now, and I and it's like burned into my memory of this guy with the baby, like getting his Super Nintendo. It's so. so- we're, so fun. We're going to give Fredo the last word here in a second, but I do have to say that getting back to your point about how somebody at some point told you, you, you know, you, you can't do it, whether it's societal pressures or, you know, you're growing up, so you got to put away toys. The, one of the best things about becoming an adult and is when you get to the point of where it's like, I could give a rat's furry butt about what you think about me. I want that Darth Vader action figure because it's cool. I don't care. I got, I got a job. I got a wife. I got, you know, it's like, it's just, you don't, you think I'm a geek sit and spin buddy. You know, there's a, there's a point you reach an age where it's like, you don't care. You know what I mean? So that is a good thing about becoming an adult. So afraid I'll give you the last mm-hmm. word on all this. You've been very patient. No, no, just to bring it right. Yeah. Bring it right back to star Wars. And I actually, I was just reminded I was out outside of a Toys R Us in Memphis, Tennessee in May, I want to say it was May 4th or 5th, 1999, which was when all the Phantom Menace toys were going to go on sale. I think I remember, I probably have buried somewhere. I've got a few of the little uh, um, racers, the pod racers, but the little great toys, you know. I mean, I didn't, I didn't want to get any. I was, at that point, honestly... Uh, I was not interested in like buying that, but there were people in there who were just hoovering up all the toys. And I'm like, it's midnight. Why are you buying? I'm going to do all these toys. But that was part of the experience. And part of me always thinks back to that experience and then all the people who stood outside in line to watch the movie. And I tend to tell, I always have a, a joke with my brothers to tell them, whatever movie you're excited about, just know that in a year, a couple of years' time, you're going to find it at the seven fifty or $5 bin at Walmart. You know, you have to have a bit of perspective that, you know, it should, you know, when you're collecting, when you're getting stuff, yeah, some stuff will go up in price. You know, if you're getting it because you're trying to be a, a speculator, a collector because of financial merit, you may be disappointed. You may not. I don't know. Uh, depends on what you're after. But if you're doing it because you like what you're doing, hey, awesome. It's your money. You know, you're an adult. You, you pay what you will. I think the bigger key, though, it's always to kind of have a proper perspective. Like, don't run through a garage with your child <laughs> just so you can get a, a Super Nintendo. You have emulators. That, you know, there will be bigger and better. There's always bigger and better coming down the line. So, uh, I like, think I'm, that, not even, I'm not even judging that guy. I just, no, no, no. But, you know. Yeah, but it's along the lines of, wait a minute, you know, at some point, you know, you have to you have to be able to put it in the proper frame of saying, okay, this is valuable. I know where I've wanted, I've been hunting after it, and I really coveted. But if my loved one is ill or, <laughs> or if there's an accident, I'm not I'm not running nobody, no kid over to get a toy or to get a ticket or to get at an event because that's not really the yeah. point of any of this. It's supposed to be something that's positive and good for you. But if you know, if it if it consumes you, it's kind of like the dark side. If it consumes you, you end up being the thing you sort to uh, destroy. Of evil. Yeah. 
I, I dovetail off that real briefly. I think like there's a collect, there's a mindset to collecting which is sort of um, at odds with itself, which is the best memories that we create for ourselves are when passions run high and you're like, wow, I really remember this thing. And it's ex experiential. And mm -hmm. like, I remember going to the store with my brother and we did this thing and we got the thing that we were after and it was so cool, you know, and that's that that's where the you get the thrill, the, the excitement of it, the treasure hunt side of it. But then if there's an actual um, like logic to it, it's that's how you're going to have your quote unquote success with it, because to your point fredo you were you mentioned this the there's an ebb and a flow to all of this where people's nostalgia tends to run high at the same time mm -hmm. and so i'm really nostalgic for x oh well so are you know a million other people so now is not the best time to buy x because a million other people are super nostalgic for this thing right now too and so, like I said, you're kind of at odds with yourself at times with, if you're, if you're thinking about it in terms of collecting, um, I'm, I'm going to get the most enjoyment out of it when my passion is highest, but my passion is highest when it shouldn't be for me financially, you know, like I'm going to take a hit in the wallet. So you know I, and and that's how people make money in this that's why it's an industry uh, and, and it's Aaron, it's Aaron standing at the lucasfilm gift shop going how much should i really spend here yeah well you know and that's the thing is that they i mean so i said we're going to end this but so now i get the last word in that gift shop they told us they said everything on this side you can get online or in other department stores, blah, 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 blah. Everything on this side, you can only get in this room. And I'm like, screw that side. I'm going over to this side of the room because, you know, I, who, who cares if I got a shirt that you can get at Target in the Lucasfilm, you know, company store. I've got a Lucasfilm water bottle. Never going to drink water out of it. But the fact that is, I could only buy that water bottle in the company store at Lucasfilm. I mean, so that, that sits in its case in a case, you know, it's like, and I, I, yeah, I'll never forget that day. Um, so if you guys collect anything, um, hit us up online, let us know what you collect, why you do it. Let's all get on the psychiatrist's, uh, um, couch because couch. I think, I think that's the interesting part of it is like, why do you collect? Um, and yes, I think we we have discerned that Aaron has issues. But anyway, um, I will say the most frivolous buy I ever did was that sail barge back there. But that is, I mean, it was like I, I was going to kick myself in the butt if I didn't get it. And it's, it's, it is kind of cool. Um, but anyway, um, so yeah, let us know on Twitter, on Facebook. What, what do you collect? Why? Um, like I said, uh, we'd love to know. We'd love to be bothered at work. Um, uh, so yeah, with otherwise, we will say who dat. Who dat? Yeah. And everybody have a great week. My